some definitely encouraging things in the news, if you look at it, and there's certainly some things in the news that are not as encouraging, but I think we focus on the encouraging things. There's some pretty neat things going on. And I want to start just with a story. This week, last Sunday, my daughter Anna, we shipped her off to college, um, you know, took her to the Philly, said goodbye, she flew out, and Wednesday, was it Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday, she's back, right? The, the school's closed down, they shipped her back, um, which is a blessing for us. We appreciate it. But um, in the process, she shared a video with me from the university, Cedarville University, where she goes, and the president, Thomas White, had given them a chapel service, really announcing that they were going home. But in that uh, message, she had some encouraging things that kind of stuck in my mind. And, and what he was saying to the students was this, is that here, here in the midst of this coronavirus, there's a lot of, um, you would say, fear in the communities. There's a lot of um, uncertainty in the communities about what this means, what does this look like, what does it mean to me. And he was telling the students, interestingly enough, that here we have the hope. As Christians, we actually have an answer to this, don't we? We may not have an answer to coronavirus. Uh, we do have an answer, and the answer is Jesus. We have an answer to the hopelessness. We have an answer to the anxieties. We have an answer to the fear, and the answer is Jesus. And what he was telling the students, first of all, he was apologizing to families and parents for sending the kids back home after three days and the expense and the cost of all that and shipping them back and, and what that all looks like. But he was saying that the reality is is that he looked at the students and said, here in Cedarville we have this, this group of believers that have the answer, have the hope, and have the message. Why should we all be huddled here on our own campuses? Why not be out in the world and sharing the gospel? And he gave them a mandate. He said, listen, so you guys have two weeks, and this is your mandate. Go back home and tell people about Jesus. So this idea that we have this message. I was thinking of the scripture I wanted to share, which is um, Isaiah 52, very, very famous passage, verse 7. Pastor Joe touched on this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And it's such a beautiful passage because really now, as believers, we know Christ. We shouldn't be walking around fearful, right? We shouldn't be walking around hopeless and despair and anxieties because we know who we serve. And we know, as Pastor Mike was saying, we know who's in control of all this thing. And, and who's to say this is not the time that is poising our nation for a revival if we as Christians would go out and start sharing Instead of becoming part of the situation and, and, and isolating ourselves and becoming fearful, if we would go out and help other people that are struggling and suffering, giving them hope and, and sharing the message. You know, I read in the news when I was reading, this was interesting, I, I took a, a little picture of it because my memory isn't that good and I couldn't quote a whole news article to you. But um, this was coming out of Wuhan, China. So it says, um, God can use anything for his glory, even the coronavirus. This was the message that one Wuhan pastor wrote in a letter published through China Source. And this is what he said. The situation is so critical, yet we are trusting in the Lord's promises that his thoughts towards us are of peace and not evil. Therefore, Christians are not 
only to suffer with the people of this city, but we have the responsibility to pray for those in this city who are fearful and to bring them the peace of Christ. This pastor is not alone. Since the coronavirus outbreak originated in Wuhan, many pastors have been using the opportunity to share the gospel with their neighbors. Christians are out on the streets passing out protective face masks and telling people it's because they love Jesus. And further on, the article went on to say, handing out tracts and, 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 and proclaiming the gospel in a nation that doesn't normally accept or allow that. They're out in force, and they're sharing Jesus Christ. And I think in the midst of something like this, in the midst of what we're facing as a nation, as Christians, we need to be doing the same thing. I mean, if you go to the grocery stores, every picture you see online is that there's no toilet paper, right? Um, crazy, right? No toilet paper. I was talking to my son about it. Interesting, because he only has one role. But he said that he was watching on the news, and you guys probably saw this too, but um, one of the um, politicians, uh, et cetera, called one of the doctors forward, and he said, will you tell them that toilet paper doesn't cure the coronavirus? You know, it's like this. But for whatever reason, everybody's looking for toilet paper now. And you look at all the pictures, things are empty, right? Shelves are empty. People are panicking. We may not be panicking, but we have to understand people are panicking. And why are they panicking? Because they don't know Jesus you would be panicking too, right? But we know our Savior. We know who he is. We have an amazing opportunity, an amazing opportunity to stand and go out and to share this message with those who are in fear and to help them understand and see and recognize that God is sovereign in all this. And I'll end with just one quick quote. Um, This is from C.S. Lewis, and I heard it this morning. It said, In such a fearful world, we need a fearless church. In such a fearful world, we need a fearless church. So let's be a fearless church when it comes to this. Of course, follow all the protective strategies that are necessary, right? Don't be silly. But the reality is, is that we don't live like those who have no hope. So let's be very vocal about this hope and let's share it and let's pray for others and pray for them in the presence. Um, If you're in the grocery store and somebody's fearful, pray with them there. They're not going to turn that down. But point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. In that verse, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. That idea there is this idea that that crossing over the mountains, there was this idea bringing to some of these cities that were in war and battle that there was good news coming. There was victory coming. That's what this passage is, is relating to. Guys, we have the good news. Right? The mandate is to go. Let's go. Let's use it. Let's um, go into the world. Let's go into our communities. Let's bring them the hope that they need. That's what we are. We're assembled as an army of Christ that we would go out and make a difference. So we can do it now. This is an amazing opportunity. We have like two more weeks of complete isolation with lots of fear going on. Let's do it. Right? Let's make a difference. And we're also going to pray. We're going to pray for our nation. I'll close my part in prayer. Uh, we'll pray for the nation. We'll pray for our leaders. Uh, the government, the authorities, everybody who's making decisions in the midst of all this. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. God, you are good. Uh, As we heard from Pastor Mike, um, really, we have you as a refuge, Lord. We recognize uh, an amazing opportunity in the midst of the trial and the trouble that you give your church. Father, you've given us hope. You've given us certainty that we know where we go when we pass from this life, Father. But let us help others to see this. Give us a boldness to proclaim your grace, your mercy, your glory, and your amazing gospel, Father. We pray for the 
governors and the administrators and the politicians and the president and, and all those authorities that are making decisions in the midst of this, uh, making real decisions that um, affect many, many people's lives, their livelihoods, the economy, Father. We pray for all those that are affected, for those businesses that are affected through this economy, through um, for those who are um, health workers that are being affected, Lord, uh, to all those that are being affected, Lord, we pray that you would give great wisdom and discernment. We think of our brothers and sisters around the world um, may not have the same resources that we have, may not have the same health care system that we do. Lord, um, maybe they're not the same infrastructure. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, that you would continue to bless and protect and provide for them. Lord, and that you would use this opportunity um, to um, Prick our hearts, Lord, that we would recognize uh, what a great responsibility, but what a great privilege and what a great opportunity um, for your nation to come before you. We thank you for a president who is acknowledging this, who has called a national day of prayer, Lord. So we, as a church, um, proclaim uh, your glory, your grace, your mercy, and we call upon you, Lord. Father, that you would um, heal our land, that you would heal our people, Lord, that you would preserve and protect those um, who come down with this coronavirus, that here in the United States, as we stand for you, Lord, that we wouldn't see um, the pandemic uh, craze that um, people are talking about, Lord. Father, that we would just trust in you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I'm going to use this mic. You know, when the Germans developed uh, missile technology uh, during World War II, the V rocket, it was called, the V-1 wasn't all that accurate, and uh, they began with that, and then they developed the V-2, which they were able to pretty much pinpoint uh, with great accuracy targets within London. And... uh, it was a horrific time for the people of England because never before had England come under direct attack like that. And they would have to run into their bunkers. Probably some of you know a little bit from history just how it played out. Well, Winston Churchill, who really very few people liked, had been predicting for many, many years uh, that Germany was a threat. And so when finally Germany did begin to invade various parts of Europe with the Blitzkrieg and begin to do the things that he was predicting, because at one time he was the uh, chancellor of the Navy, um, they put him forward as the prime minister. And uh, he was God's person for that time. And if you you know, are a reader, I read the full trilogy, which is, over 2,500 pages on Winston Churchill, an amazing life at that particular time in history. And, of course, we know one of his quotes, which many of us have probably heard be here, here, there's nothing to fear but? There you go. So you know that. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. And here he was speaking to a people with V-2 rockets landing on them, uh, killing people, and yet he was able to say that And ultimately, he also invited the Church of England at that time to take a center place and reminded people again and again and again that the free world was ultimately dependent on God as a refuge. And so when President Trump declares a national day of prayer, I just hope for you as a believer in Christ, it's not just a yawn. 
Because if it's a yawn, then you really need to do a heart check on yourself because uh, if it's just a whole hum another day in life for you uh, today, when he's declared this day as a national day of prayer, then you need to do a heart check because your heart's not in the right place. This should be a center part of, of your life right now. There should be an affection to say, wow, uh, the President of the United States is calling this nation at this particular time uh, under this threat, which has tremendous economic consequences on small business owners, uh, many people who are in the service industries, depending on that, that cash flow on a weekly basis. It's having a cr- tremendous impact on people's lives that the President of the United States and his cabinet is calling this nation to pray And to remind us that ultimately, no matter what comes to us, that he is our refuge and our strength. That is really the idea. That ultimately, it's not going to be the great technology of the medical professionals and those in the pharmaceutical industry developing a virus because it's not a vaccination. It's not going to be enough in time anyway, really. Um, It's not going to be the genius of our administrators on the local level and how they respond. All those things are important, but most of all, it's going to be the Lord himself that's going to watch over this nation um, and give us the protections we need. You know, I was watching the uh, State of the Union address, and, you know, of course, there's a lot of theater there with Trump giving his address and then all the Democrats, especially the women in their white dresses, and then Nancy Pelosi tearing up the speech and all this theater, you know, and it's almost comical in some respects, but also has a seriousness to it. But you know where my eyes were fixed? There was a phrase above President Trump in the Capitol building. Who, who knows what that phrase is? In God we trust. I was watching that State of the Union, and I kept on going there. With all the shenanigans that the human heart can generate, with all the craziness and the political theater that goes this way and that way, uh, you know, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. You know, we have a God who we can trust. That's what Pastor Mike and Pastor Mike were sharing. That ultimately, he's our refuge during this time of trouble. You know, we are looking at the book of Jonah, these last weeks, and we're taking a little bit of break, but just to remind you, what was at the heart of Jonah's problem? Fear. That was at the heart of his problem. He was running away from God because he was afraid. God was calling him to minister to his enemies, and Jonah hightailed it in the opposite direction. And Jonah was going through a tremendous amount of upheaval in his personal life. He served under Jeroboam II. And if you know anything about Israel's history, under Jeroboam I, the father of Jeroboam II, uh, Israel had gone through a civil war and was split between the south and the north. It was a credible time of upheaval for the nation of Israel after it had seen unprecedented wealth and unprecedented prosperity and security in its borders under King David and then Solomon. And then uh, after Solomon, uh, under Jeroboam and, and Rehoboam, and there was a tremendous split in Israel. 
And then uh, through that civil war, we have the prophet Jonah. And at the same time as this, about a generation or so after the civil war, we have the Assyrian Empire rising in power, beginning to raid, do raids on the northern kingdom of Israel. It was a tremendous time of upheaval. And I shared with you the last few weeks, uh, looking at the Assyrian Empire, these were a brutal people. Uh, Secular historians will say that they perhaps were some of the most brutal people ever to live. Um, Some of the things they did, we we shared, when they would go against the city, they'd leave always an inscription, we raped, we pillaged, we destroyed, and we burned with fire. How would you like that uh, to come through the town of Howell, right? And uh, and then when they would lead their slaves, they would capture people and they'd lead that they would actually put a steel spike through this part of their face right here. And they would chain them together and they would lead them. Can you imagine? And there was no doubt there were some of these slaves that were being led out of northern Israel to Nineveh, the city of Nineveh. And God says, Jonah, I'm calling you to go to Nineveh to preach a, a message of repentance and to turn that people to myself. And he's like, no way, Lord. In fear, he runs away. And I think there's a message for us there that it's tempting in fear, especially what we're going through as a society and a nation today. It's tempting to try to find our strength and our refuge uh, in something other than the Lord. If you're doing that, we're here today to kind of redirect your hearts back to him. If your strength is somewhere else, be reminded that God's inviting you back, that you may find rest and peace for your souls. We don't have control of what may happen. We pray this virus will dissipate and not ravage our culture like some of the medical professionals are are predicting. We're praying that we won't see that exponential growth. We're praying that God would protect this nation and that all the stop measures that the national government and our local governments and authorities have put in place will be helpful. We're praying that we'll be able to look back and say, God delivered us as a nation. That's what we're praying. And so I hope today, even as we kind of finish out our service here, go to our homes, that you would just take a moment or take some time in the day to open up scriptures and pray for our president, pray for his cabinet, pray for our governor, pray for our local uh, first responders, those people who are in the medical profession. Pray that the Lord would have grace and give wisdom and pray for those who've been inflicted, especially the elderly or those with respiratory illness. Pray. Take some time to pray today. It's a national day of prayer. And we can watch as God delivers uh, because he is ultimately our refuge and our strength. I will finish with this verse from Isaiah before we just spend a little time in prayer and then finish out our service. He, the Lord, will keep in perfect peace He whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. 
The Lord will keep in perfect peace. I like that word perfect peace, don't you? Perfect peace means it's, it's uninterrupted. There's, there's this quiet confidence in our hearts because we know there's one in control. Someone bigger than ourselves at this time. Lord will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind is where? Stayed on him. It's the idea that our minds are not on the news, not on our toilet paper supply, not in the empty cupboards in the supermarket. It is a little eerie, though. It reminds me of the I Am Legend, you know, film. Likeable. Just all these, these crazy films have come out in the last 20 years, right, on end time scenarios and uh, no our minds are not there our minds stayed on the Lord that means as these other things are coming at us these images and media feeds and all that our minds are stayed stayed on him all those things that Pastor Mike and Pastor Mike shared you know in terms of who God is is the reason we can stay there He will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind has stayed on him. And he says, trust in the Lord, for our Lord is the everlasting rock. You know, you want to be staying on the rock in times of a storm, right? You don't want to be on the the sand that's shifting and moving. You want to be on something steady. He is the everlasting rock. So let's pray and join our hearts together for this nation. And um, pray for these things and leave here today with a a sense of purpose, charge, peace in him and a sense of of his um, word in our lives, his promises. Let's pray. Father, we turn to you like literally millions today in this nation are doing, those who know you, love you, those who are part of your church. And Lord, we pray that this nation would trust in you. Trust in the Lord, for the Lord is our everlasting rock. And Father, we pray for our president. I just want to thank you outside of all the administrative decisions that are being made in terms of the National Emergency Act and all these other decisions that are being made, the most important decision was to declare today a day of prayer. And so we pray, Lord, and ask that in the midst of this crisis that we face as a nation, that your presence would be revealed and made known through your people, the church. That there would be a great testimony that would well up. That we'd be able to say with confidence that phrase that's chiseled above the, the chamber in Capitol Hill, in God we trust. Father, we just thank you that, that you're able to direct and give wisdom and protection and be our refuge. We pray, Lord, for this president. We pray for the cabinet that serves under him and all of that administration as they 
come alongside local governments and states that they would have wisdom in the provision to be able to help those who, who may at this time be suffering. We pray, Lord, for our local hospitals, that you give wisdom to the health professionals, the doctors, protection to the nurses that are serving on the front lines. To those who have succumbed to this virus, Lord, watch over them and bring healing. And Lord, we pray for small business owners that are suffering great loss at this time, uncertainty for the future. We pray for great wisdom and provision for those who are being employed by those businesses who are without salary right now. Lord, provide. May people turn to you and find that you are a God who cares. And Lord, we ask as a church, as we take these next few weeks and just continue to worship, continue to gather as best we can in small groups and and even using the internet and the live streaming that we pray, Lord, that the gospel and the message of, of Jesus would continue to go out. Lord, we ask, and I pray by faith right now, as we even come up to this Easter resurrection season, that we would begin to see even this crisis abate, and we'd be able to, to see that you're a God who answers prayer as we pray today. Thank you, Lord, that we can turn to you at any time, any place, anywhere. And as our brother just reminded us that you are our refuge and strength, ever-present help in trouble, and Lord, that you're with us always. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And so we pray for our nation today, Lord. May we truly be a nation that trusts in you. And just so we give you this day, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.